listening to ACDC Beyond the Thunder, the podcast with the biggest balls of all, with your hosts, Kurt Squires and Greg Ferguson. It's time to rock. That's right. The countdown begins as we here at ACDC Beyond the Thunder have decided to fittingly ring in the new year with Hell's Bells, celebrating their 20th anniversary. My name is Kurt Squires, here partying it up with co-pilot Greg Ferguson and Commander Eric Kielb. This is the podcast where extraordinary fans get to toast this extraordinary entity called ACDC. Now, we've all heard or seen an ACDC tribute band at one time or another, but on this special New Year's Eve edition, we've decided to pay tribute to one of the originals, a band that even Angus Young himself has anointed as a favorite. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Mandy Reed, a.k.a. Cliff Williams from Seattle, Washington, and Adrian Connor, a.k.a. Angus Young out of Austin, Texas, from the world-famous all-female ACDC tribute band Hell's Bells. Happy New Year, Adrian and Mandy. Happy, Happy New Year. Year. Well, Hell's Bells. It's good to have you guys on the show. <laughs> it's good to be okay. here. Thanks for having me. So this is the 20th anniversary. How cool is that? Uh, it's just uh, surreal, but it's super cool we made it this far. Yeah, it's a milestone. I mean, I remember... When I first got in the band, I'm like, this won't last. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mandy, in the beginning, back in 2000, the idea of Hell's Bells came to be. Neither one of you are, you are original members, but, Mandy, you made the cut just six months later. So we might as well call you an original longest tenured member, correct? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, so before we dive into the band, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you fell into the world of music. Okay. Um, I grew up in a little town up here in Washington State called Port Townsend, Washington. And then um, I, lived, I lived there up until I was around 13 years old. And then I moved to Bremerton and I've, I'm still here. And uh, it's about an hour outside of Seattle. It's a ferry right away. Okay. And um, my dad was a folk singer, and and my brother, uh, by default, kind of got heavily into playing guitar and just grew up playing music. So I kind of grew up with it in in my family. And then um, I didn't know my whole family myself. I didn't ever plan on becoming a musician. It was kind of my brother's thing when I was around twenty nineteen nineteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my friends were, were musicians. And then I started dating a, a bass player, me and the other girlfriends of the bands, you know, we would all hang out and we just got to talking one day and we were like, why we should, we should do, you know, we wanted to try it too. Kind of one scenario, you know, we're like, we should just start learning instruments and, and, uh, start a band too. And we did. And it was kind of started out as a joke and we were called camel toe and it was really, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, the really joking lyrics Subtle. and, and yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. We recorded like two songs and bo- both songs had like two notes to the whole thing. And I started really liking playing 
And the rest of the girls were like, haha, and they fizzled out because it's not something they were ever serious about. But it just kind of struck a chord in me that, hey, I kind of, I'm kind of digging this, you know. So I started playing around with um, some of my male friends that uh, have been doing it forever. And I just didn't stop. I just kept going. And then I started up a little punk band uh, with some girls that were serious about wanting to play music and trying trying to do something with it. Is this half a cat? Yes. Yes, it's half a cat. And we played together for about seven years. And about five years into it, we uh, recruited another player, Rachel Flotard from Seattle. And uh, as soon as she came in the band, we really started kind of doing well and getting more and more uh, recognition and popularity in Seattle area. So that's what I was doing at the time when um, Hell's Bell started. And fun fact, the bass player in Half a Cat was the original bass player in Hell's Bell. Ah. And when was the first time you heard ACDC to even be impressed or want to join Hell's Bells? Um, Well, I loved ACDC since I was a kid. And so truth be known, when uh, Heather, our bass player in Half a Cat, got approached about it, and back then, mind you, there was not a lot of tribute bands, and especially not a lot of all-female tribute bands. Right. So when the idea was brought up and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about joining uh, Health Bells, I was like, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that would be fun. I yeah. mean, I, I loved, her name's Heather, and I loved Heather, but I was seriously like, I wish it was me. <laughs> I wish right. that was me. So uh, Heather... Heather joined and they, they did really well right out of the gate, you know, first show it was packed. I bet. And, um, they started touring right away and, uh, because it's a novelty. It's not just a tribute band, but it's all female tribute bands, like a double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. And back then, you know, back then it was not really heard of. So everybody wanted to see what this was about, you know? Right. Yeah, so she ended up going on tour with them, and I ended up leaving Half a Cat, and I was just kind of in between bands, not really doing anything, and she ended up not working out with Hell's Bells, and so the singer of Hell's Bells up and called me one day, and she basically said, I'm not going to take no for an answer, and although I wanted to jump on it, I had to, you know, do the right thing and call Heather and make sure she's all right with it. And yeah, before I gave an answer. So you became Cliff Williams immediately at that moment. Uh, upon Heather's blessing, I got, I got her blessing to do it because, you know, her and I are still really, we're still really good friends. Wow. So I wanted to make sure everything was on the up and up and okay about it, you know? And she said, yes, yes, of course. So I, I went for it and, and that was that. I was really excited. Wow. And how is that playing differently than Half a Cat for playing Cliff Williams style? Well, in Half a Cat, I played guitar. So, you know, and it was just, you know, kind of poppy punk rock stuff. Nothing too fancy or anything like that. But, uh, you know, classic rock. I have three siblings and they're all older. So I'm the youngest of four. That's how I grew up knowing who ACDC was and just classic rock in general was from yep. my brothers and sister, their Same influence. Here. So Same here. Yeah. Even when I was in high school, every high school party, you know, ACDC was a staple. Absolutely. Now, Adrian, while attending Kennedy Catholic High School in Washington, during the school assembly, they played You Shook Me All Night Long, and you said that you had, quote, goosebumps and were hooked for life. And I have to ask you, 
were you wearing a schoolgirl uniform that day? Ah, it's very possible <laughs> because we were still in junior high where you did wear uniforms and we were carted in, you know, to, to this is the school you go to next where you get to, you know, have a dress code. <laughs> it's possible I did have that, that uh, schoolgirl uniform on, although the skirt was much longer. Oh, well, that, that would be very fitting. Very fitting. Did it inspire you to pick up a guitar at that point? Um, I think I had just picked up the guitar that year and was just starting to hear guitar in music where before I didn't know when I was hearing guitar. You know what I mean? Like when you start playing an instrument, you start hearing it in the songs that you've loved forever. Like, oh, that's a guitar. Like, right. I mean, that's what happened to me, you know, once I started playing guitar, because I really was sheltered musically. My parents were uh, not music. They're music people, but they're like classical music people. And so my parents didn't turn me on to any of the classic rock music. I actually didn't discover classic rock music until I went to public school. <laughs> So like you shook me was like that was like what ninth grade that, that was another private school and you know, was, you know I didn't really hear much guitar music you know what I mean right at that age so you, you've been suppressed <laughs> yeah I mean not yeah. anymore <laughs> <laughs> and then you actually did try out for the original lineup of this all female ACDC tribute band but what happened. know what a tribute band was I had no idea like what that meant I just thought we were going to be a cover band in a dark bar and I just you know really wanted to play you know music and and so um I asked that the singer Om she started the band with Amy Stoltenbach so Om Jahari and Amy Stoltenbach they started Hell's Bells and they were doing the recruit in the summer I, I swear it was 1999 I swear that was when I got I don't know though but anyway uh they came to one of my gigs where I was doing my original music and they brought some big like like Brad Hauser came with them and and somebody else and it was like whoa because in the music scene that in Seattle at the time like that's a really big deal right. <laughs> so anyway, right. I was like oh my god and uh so I asked the singer after my set, I said, so when I come to the rehearsal, should I learn, uh, you know, the rhythm or the, the solos? And she said, oh, I'll learn both. And I was like, okay. And I had already learned You Shook Me because I loved that solo. It's like the perfect solo. And yeah. so I learned Hell's Bells. Uh, they told Back in Black and You Shook Me. I think that we agreed that that's what I would show up with. Just it in general. And so I, I tried to learn those other two solos. And when I came to the rehearsal, we did Hell's Bells first. And then when it came to You Shook Me, because I knew it for so long, I've probably been playing that solo and studying it for like two years. When it came up, I was like, oh, I know the solo, like in the middle of while we're playing it. And, and Amy's like, oh, bust it out. And so I played it and I did very well. And the singer let out this huge like <gasps> laugh and and then we played um, Back in Black, and then we loaded up the stuff, and um, Amy helped me load out my stuff. She just ex expressed to me that she thought I was a really good player and in a way that shocked me. And I should have said, wow, you know, thank you. And I think, you know, 
you're amazing and and I really love this opportunity and I was I responded I was speechless and she that really made that was a problem and so um I wasn't I didn't get to be in the band for um the first year or whatever six months no like the first year but it was Om that really pushed for me to be in the band the following year Gotcha. Are you talking about the second audition, Adrian? The time you Yeah. Yeah, that was a group effort. We all wanted we all you clearly you were the best choice. Thank God we did. And you started out as Malcolm, right, Adrian? Yeah, I started out as Malcolm. Okay. Was it hard playing that super tight rhythm or was it even more difficult to walk up to the mic, sing and then walk backwards? What was difficult <laughs> is I only had fourteen days to get it together. That oh. was what was difficult of 90 minutes. And so, so that, that was the biggest challenge. And so what happens when you're cramming, you know, 90 minutes of ACDC's music it, to memory in a performance situation, what happens is those, those songs start to blend together. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. If you have to learn the material in a short amount of time, yeah, it will do that. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the thing that saved me, for like for those about to rock, I think what got me into the audition like past the other girl in the second time around was the fact that I did for those about to rock and I counted it out like I knew like I counted and and like so when we played it I didn't mess it up I had great notes you know what I mean it's like I think a lot of people don't understand when they come in to do the music it's actually very specific clever music you can't just you know show up half prepared you can't have this you know attitude of like oh this it's acdc it's easy it's not easy it isn't and both are the words i love to hate because we've had players come in that did not do enough homework and it was pretty obvious but they came in with the attitude thinking i thought this was going to be easier and it's happened multiple times yeah we had to greg and i had uh talked with chris slade and he actually quote requotes exactly what you're saying. Someone asked him, "Hey, let's let's jam some ACDC. And Chris is like, "Oh no, you won't jam it." And he, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, but then Adrian, you shifted to the role of Angus, which is certainly a grueling, challenging gig, but yet really fun position to be in. How did that work out? Well, I wasn't the first pick for that either, but there were no other choices, and so I inherited that spot. And, um, and that has been, you know, a huge thing for me because when I started the band, I mean, I was so shy and getting to do this character has been, uh, you know, changed my whole life. I mean, (laughs) it is a character, isn't it? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I wouldn't change a second of it. I've had so much fun. I mean, like our, some of our shows have literally been like the who made who video. <laughs> you know what I mean? But all those people are like, wait, wait. I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels good. That's awesome. It does feel good. Especially when you're, you know, sharing with a crowd of people um, who get it, you know, uh, yeah. about ACDC, the same kind of love and you're celebrating it. It's a pretty, it's pretty fun. And Adrian, I remember in the beginning on our first tour of, with you as Angus, I remember at every gas station we'd stop at, you'd get out and practice your your the duck walk 
<laughs> and I remember yeah. one time you're you're duck walking down the gas station parking lot, and you look at me, and you're like, "I look like a jackass." <laughs> <laughs> that is not an easy move. <laughs> you know how he does it like backwards in yeah. like back and black. He'll, right. I was in here the other day. I'm like, how the hell is he doing it backwards? I'm in here. I put on the SG, and I'm like, I'm gonna try this backwards forward thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent well you've definitely mastered running around playing guitar there's a great shot i saw online of you guys of adrian on top of a bar upside down and the bartender is pouring alcohol into your mouth while you're soloing <laughs> yeah that happens that happens quite often that was like a look like a stage shot but you know that was live yeah yeah yeah. That's awesome. One time we had a guy write into the club we had just played um, accusing her of uh, having overdubs because she was soloing and doing, because he, he thought it was impossible that she could still be soloing and doing some of the stuff she was doing without making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Wow. What a compliment, huh? I know. Yeah. yeah. That's how I took it. So you you had mentioned that you've been rehearsing with the new girls and you've had a dozen or so women on the roster over the past two decades. Can you run down the current lineup and describe the members for us? Yep. Uh, we've got Sarah Pinzon on vocals, Sean Bryan, um, Jeff Corum, um, Malcolm, uh, Simona Bresti on drums. And we, we watched a little bit of you guys live. Uh, you streamed a show live recently, which was fantastic. That was fun. How did you guys enjoy it? Um, it, it was, was really definitely different. different. <laughs> it was different yeah. without, you know, yeah. crickets in between songs and, and no audience there. So that was definitely um, something to get used to. But, you know, we were all really thankful just to be able to play. They didn't pump in a fake audience for you, like uh, sports arenas? No. <laughs> I don't think they didn't. <laughs> I had thought about that, too, while we were playing. I'm like, that would be cool if they did that. What do you guys do for uh, for other gigs, careers, hobbies? Do you have families, kids, grandkids? You know, what it, what is your life outside of Hell's Bells? Well, my life outside of Hell's Bells is pretty pretty boring. Um, I I spend a lot of time with my grandson and I craft. <laughs> I like that. I craft. That's so rock and roll. <laughs> That's what I do. Adrian, she stays busy though. Yeah, for me, I'm you know I'm I love songwriting i love music i love it when that feeling i get when a song takes me away either with the guitar playing the drums or the the lyrics and the singing or the chorus so i'm a chaser and um i'm a songwriter and so i perform and write my own music and i'm always studying uh what other people write that i fall in love with and um i also started acting <laughs> because wow. i realized a couple of years ago i'm like oh i'm an actor with a guitar i'm not really like a session player and yeah i'm kind of i'm like an actor that's fun that's really fun it's kind of like uh like you said playing angus is is sort of playing a character so it's a natural progression, right? Yeah. So who are your main influences? Yeah, sometimes when we talk to tribute bands, they don't necessarily love ACDC, which is weird for me. That is weird for me, too. Yeah, that you do, you do run into members of tribute bands who really, they're not their favorite band. So what, is that the case for you guys? 
Well, for me, um, they're definitely on the list of favorites. You know, they always has been. To be in a tribute band and not really dig the band you're doing this seems seems really weird to me. How about you, Adrian? For me, like I cut my teeth on Led Zeppelin, and then, um, but like I said, I, I started with You Shook Me, and then once I started, and I always loved like Back in Black. And I think I started trying to be that solo and. I wasn't too familiar with anything before Highway to Hell, but once I started learning these songs, it changed like everything about my songwriting. I was always trying to do stuff that was too complicated, (laughs) too intricate. Yeah, right. And like doing this music, getting to perform it, and and I mean the words are like Bible verses to me. (laughs) And you know. And the solos, I mean, I remember if if you catch me on the right day, if I start talking about, you know, how good ACDC is, I might start crying. Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it really provided this platform to connect with people in a way that I never would have had an opportunity to connect with before. Right. And it's, the music is, it's, I don't know, it connects people. Yeah, it's kind of what ACDC Beyond the Thunder is all about. It's like trying to figure out what's going on inside. How does it affect us in all this, these different ways, in in unique ways, too, from actors and authors and athletes? It affects different people in different ways, and it's hard to put your finger on it. It's so magical. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a rock band moment where a famous group has tried to poach one of you guys, like Judas Priest or Journey, or you're up on stage with Alice Cooper playing on somebody's record or anything like that? And no. <laughs> We've yeah. had people come in and try and coach our fucking set. Like, I'm going to play a guitar. And this is like, really? Don't you have your own fucking band? <laughs> <laughs> so, Adrian, when you first joined Hell's Bells, you said you opened for Rat. And you said that you were on the tour bus. And at the end of the night, Warren Martini asked you to teach him how to play for those about to rock. That is awesome. I know. What a nice guy. I can't. Was he being nice or like, did he really not know? Cause he's a badass. Yeah. So you guys are all hailing, you all hail from Seattle originally. Have you rubbed shoulders with any of the many amazing bands in town? She might've rubbed lips with some amazing. Oh God, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll fall for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Come on. I Nelly. don't remember anything. I I was it was pretty hazy with the, the alcohol that night. I'm pleading the fifth. We'll come back to that later. Once you okay. had a few more drinks. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about Hell's Bells Live. When ACDC had endorsed the Australia's Family Jewels exhibition, which toured originally in Sydney, Melbourne, Glasgow, and Seattle, the only city in the US, the uh, curator of that show actually called Greg and me to see if we would include the trailer of ACDC Beyond the Thunder. And we were pretty psyched about that. And so they invited us to Seattle to check out the great ACDC memorabilia in that show. We caught up with Anthony Boza, who uh, wrote Why ACDC Matters. He did a little talk and I played a little ACDC pinball. And we even got a guitar lesson from one of the, the former gals of Hell's Bells. She taught me how to play Thunderstruck. Amy. Hmm. And to cap off the night, 
Hell's Bells perform live in that facility. I have to say, you guys killed it. It was awesome. Oh, thank oh fun time. Yeah, and the crowd was great. You guys were great. It's my first time I saw you. And your your cover of Night Prowler was phenomenal, by the way. Only I'm, You're only ever going to hear that with a tribute band anyway, but you guys nailed it. Wow, thank, thank you. you. It's, that's one of my favorites to play. It's a good one. Adrian, you, like Angus, stripped down to your bare bottom. Didn't you say your mother was there? Yeah. <laughs> Our singer, Amber, said, oh, I saw your mom when you pulled your pants down. She looks really sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. So you're not, you're obviously not afraid to drop your drawers, not just on stage, but we've seen you drop them during radio interviews and web interviews. So... <laughs> I well, you know, we're doing our research. So have you have you actually done it during a podcast yet? No. <laughs> okay, just wondering. Just wondering. So you're pretty comfortable with that part of the job. It's fun. I'm the first one to be pulling off my clothes in a crazy party, so <laughs> So I heard you didn't know that Angus actually bared his soul for years until probably I don't know the nineties he stopped doing that and he, he was wearing boxers but you didn't know he actually showed his bare bottom right until our friend don who would, did merch for us for about three four years she used to date bon scott what she had yes she dated bon scott she got all kinds of stories and she gave us some some pictures she made me a t-shirt of this picture that she had of angus mooning the crowd at, a, at the stage, it was probably like uh, 12 inches high. And he's just right in front of the drum set. And it's seen one of those yellowed out 70s pictures. I was like, oh, my God, he really does it. <laughs> he really does it for real. Because, <laughs> you know, in the 90s, <laughs> that's my time. So I only saw the shorts. Right. So I thought that when I started taking that on at the, at the suggestion of our vocal coach, that I thought, okay, well, I'm probably pushing the limit here on, on, you know, what representing, you know what I mean? And, and, but then I found out, oh, it's okay. <laughs> so when you, when you do pull your pants down, we notice there's an ACDC logo drawn on either cheek. Who actually draws that on for you? Our singer, Amber, she used to do that. And does it ever fade? Sharpie. <laughs> Sharpie, yeah. People think it's a tattoo. My mom's like, I don't know what you're doing in that bathroom, but you got to clean it up when you get out of there because it's just ruined in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How did the dreads come about, Adrian? Oh, um, that happened in as soon as I turned uh, 18. And I uh, went to Olympia and I saw some white lady with dreads. I was like, wow, that looks cool. Yeah. So I never had like beautiful lady hair that all stuck together, you know, like in the the commercials where they sweep their hair around. It's like so beautiful. And also <laughs> my hair was always like thin and stringy. And so this is a way for me to have some kind of length and thickness. <laughs> yeah. 
And and so it's been like that ever since you were 18? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I've never known her without dreadlocks. You know what I love about your your live shows is that you you don't change the lyrics to be directed towards men. So, for example, he was a fast machine. He kept his motor clean like Shania Twain would do. I'm curious as to you. What are your groupies like anyway? Do you guys have group groupies at backstage parties? Are they men or women or both? Both. We've both. had both. Yeah. Both. And we don't change the lyrics because that's not really how the song goes. Right. Shania didn't get that note. I don't I've think it's ever wanted, really crossed. I've always wanted to say I'm a wanted woman instead of a wanted man. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does kind of change it a bit. I mean... You guys had told me once that you once sold Hell's Bells G-Strings yes. and had a few fans try them on at a hotel room one night. Can you tell us more about yeah, that? Two, two guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this some of your it merch? It was awkward because, yes, it was. Weren't they, Adrian, weren't they female G-String underwear? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they were yeah. just standing there in the middle of the hotel room while we're all, you know, drinking and talking and they're just standing there in them G-strings with things falling out the sides of them. And it was, it was hilarious, but it was also very awkward. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> How many gigs do you normally do a year? Uh, between 65 and 75. Okay. That's pretty busy. Is it you guys that have to hump your own equipment around usually? Yes, if we're playing regionally up in the Pacific Northwest, then yeah, we yeah. we haul our own gear. But if we're flying, then it's usually backlined. And uh, we don't take a, a tour manager or anything. It's just us doing it ourselves pretty much. Yeah, and you're probably pretty so, good at it. Yeah. By now, for sure. I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a few years ago, LA Weekly ranked the 20 best tribute bands in Los Angeles, which also included Gacy DC, who plays songs like Big Balls while wearing Yay, trashy... we know those guys. Yeah, you know those guys? Yeah. They, they wear <laughs> yeah. cocktail dresses and enormous wigs. Yes, they're great. And you guys were ranked number 11, and you, you're out of Seattle, which is pretty impressive. Yay! Oh, yeah, we're <laughs> not in LA. <laughs> that is so, cool. I wanted to switch gears on the topic of tribute bands, actually. Let's talk about it in the sense that there was this whole phenomenon. When did that start? I don't even remember. I think well, probably around the mid-2000s or something that it started really exploding. Yeah. And it's just been yeah. doing that ever since. So Hell's Bells was, would you say, the very first female ACDC tribute band? Um, that I had heard of, but I don't know if we technically were. I just, when we started, I had never heard of anybody doing that um, okay. um, at the time. And it seems like the ACDC female tribute bands always had the best names. I remember ACDC. Um, mm -hmm. Are they at our San Fran, maybe? Yes. yes. They, might, they claim to be before us, I think, but it, um, I don't really know. If they were or not, but I okay. And are are they still going? As far as I know, I don't know. I think they all have other things going on. And okay, we and Greg and I actually interviewed uh, Thund Herstruck out of L.A. Uh, shout out to those guys. Are you friendly with any of these yeah. tribute acts? 
I don't know him personally, but um, our last drummer, Judy Kokuza, used to fill in for Thunderstruck every once in a while. Adrian, you once said, um, I honestly would not want to see an ACDC tribute band that wasn't all girls. Could you expound on that quote? Because I found that really interesting. Yeah, I just don't know why I would. I'd rather see ACDC, I guess. So let's talk about the name of the band. First of all, the origin of it, and then the grammar, which ACDC is not necessarily the best at. Uh, For example, Razor's Edge or Hell's Bells are missing an apostrophe in those song titles. (laughs) Uh, So you get an A-plus for spelling, for sure, you guys. Well, then don't don't give me that credit. So who, who came up with Hell's Bells? It's pretty clever. I came in later, so I don't. I can't remember who came up with the name. Actually, I do know well, that Amy uh, wanted to call it Venus with the arms, and then somebody yeah. else came up with Hell's Bells, and that was the winner. Especially yeah. with the play on the bells part, you know, pretty clever. I like Venus with arms too. That's pretty. That's really. Yeah. That's going deep. I like that. Might be a little bit too much for ACDC fans that are just top level ACDC fans. Right. You you probably have to be a real to to get what where that came from. You yeah. Know, be kind of a ACDC nerd. That would be touch too much, correct? Yes, you are correct. Yes. Well, I used to subscribe to Blender magazine, which I absolutely loved. When I was thumbing through it, I remember that article where Angus Young was fielding readers' questions. And he said, quote, the best ACDC cover I've heard, question mark, there was an all-girl cover band in America, Hell's Bells. How cool was that to get Angus's endorsement? Super cool. Uh, Like, it was a long time ago, and I'm still like, it still trips me out sometimes, you know? I'm like, very thankful for that one. And you said you've met ACDC twice, once on the Stiff Upper Lip Tour. Tell us about that, Mandy. Um, yes, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. We got to, we have a friend that won a guitar lesson on eBay from direct from Angus. Wait a minute. Is his name Wade Sickler? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And that's how we got in to meet them the first time. (laughs) You can listen to Wade's episode on season two. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. Yes. Yes. It was Wade. Wade, um, Actually, both times we met them, he, he had something to do with it. You're kidding me. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to. He, not kidding. He, he helped us get back there and, and meet him on both occasions. Wow. We're all connected, aren't we, somehow? Thank you, Wade. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Small world. So tell us about that night. What happened? We, well, you know, when I meet people that I really adore or famous people, sometimes I get, I get a little bit tongue-tied. And um, when Cliff walked in, the whole room got quiet because Angus, everybody else was already in there. They had come in and we were talking and um, taking pictures and they were being super cool and, and nice and friendly. And then Cliff came in last and everybody got quiet just because it was my counterpart, you know, this standing there and all I could say was, hi, I'm you. (laughs) I couldn't, I, if that just came out and the whole room started laughing, I didn't know what else to do, but we gave each other a big hug and it was, it was pretty cool. 
I'm never going to forget that night. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. And then uh, the singer, our singer at the time, Ohm, gave them a, a, a VHS tape of us playing live. Um, and they watched it. They were impressed. And there was talk of playing an actual show with them in Europe. And I remember distinctly being in the van and Amy, our, our Angus at the time, got a phone call. And it was somebody on on their team, on ACDC's team, calling her. And it wasn't going to work out because the timeline, and there was two or three of us that didn't have a passport. And it would have had to happen, like, within two weeks. Wow. So we weren't able to do it. But the fact that they, A, watched the tape, and B, were we're asking, you know, have the idea. According to, you know, hearsay, it was Malcolm's idea. He was the one that wanted to try and make a show work together. And I don't even have any idea how that will, what that would have looked like, but. That's phenomenal. It's a cool story. And the fact that they asked, you know, was really cool. And Malcolm asking of all, all the Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I, it's super cool. That's pretty crazy to have a tribute band open up for the real band. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen. I know. That's why I was saying. I don't know what that would have looked like or how what his ideas were, but I was just happy they called. Even though we couldn't make it work, yeah. you know, they called. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Wow. Oh, what a great story. And the, the second time you yeah. both met ACDC was in... 2009 on the the black ice tour what happened this time around yes we didn't get to meet the whole band that time we met angus again and malcolm and brian johnson who by the way brian johnson is a funny guy and he's super kind and nice and just a regular dude very animated and fun to be around we get that a lot but yeah brian brian is super sweet i had to throw that out there because uh, I was just so impressed by just his normalness, you know, of who he is. He's huge, but it was just like being around a, just a regular, regular dude. So Adrian, what, what did you ask Angus, by the way? Well, I was tongue tied when we met Brian. So when they took us up to meet Angus and Malcolm, I was like, do not lose your voice, you know? And, and so I just waltzed in there and I kind of hopped over Angus and I, I said, can I bum a cigarette from you guys? And they were like, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> so I did a cigarette. <laughs> Is that your Australian accent? Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I said, okay, okay. You know, and, and then he said, do you, do you practice a lot? And I, instead of just saying yes, I just like, blah, 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 I just, yeah, where he kind of like <laughs> looked at me strange because <laughs> I was just babbling. <laughs> oh, I play all the time. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, and then I asked him for a guitar pick. He's like, do you want the one that we sell at the merch booth, or do you want the one I actually use? And I said, I want the one that you use. He hands me a Fender Heavy pick. I'm looking at the pick right now because I've hung it up on the wall. It's got two, two ridges from where he does the pick slide for, you know, highway to hell or wow. whatever. None of the rest of the pick is really that damaged. So he is a very delicate player he's not he's the exact opposite of how i play that's fascinating that's something i don't think i've ever heard anyone talk about so that's that's pretty cool 
I know he picked up the SG because of his stature. It's really not that big or heavy of a guitar. So I could see that when larger people play the SG, it looks like a little toy guitar sometimes, but that makes sense, I guess. And I heard Malcolm just, just saws through his picks two or three at a time per song. He just plays so hard. I've heard that now that you say that. Um, what other questions did you ask? Did he give you your, his, his schoolboy uniform? Oh, no. Um, he gave, well, no. <laughs> Dude, he didn't or give did you, you did any you clothing. did you steal his uniform? Give me yeah. a clothes. I did obtain some clothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Now, I heard that one time Brian Johnson called Mandy to wish her happy birthday. Is that true? Partially. He, it wasn't my birthday. It was on 4th of July. Okay. Uh, he did call me. He did call me. Um, a friend of ours, Roger, we call him Dodgy Roger. Dodgy Raj. He's, he's just a super ACDC fan. He's been to hundreds and hundreds of shows. Um, and he's just good at weaseling his way in. He's a really cool person. Yeah, And, you know, he's one of those guys that he's that guy that can get backstage without any credentials whatsoever and just be there and not get kicked out. And he's been going to so many of these shows over the years. He ended up getting to know him and he happened to be at Brian Johnson's house <laughs> in Florida that day. And he he called me and gave me a heads up. He's like, I'm at Brian's house. I'm going to see if we can't, you know, give you a call here in a few minutes. He's, he was, Brian was busy at the moment, but he said, uh, when Brian comes back in, I'm going to see if he, he'll call. And I'm like, really? I'm, I'm in the middle of a 4th of July party with my entire family and there's karaoke and drinking and wow. I'm like, shit. Okay. All right. I'm ready. (laughs) You know? And, uh, sure enough, like 10 minutes later he called and it was Brian and (laughs) being his, nice self he's so nice i can't even stress it enough he's so nice and um called and wished me a happy fourth of july and i again got a chance to thank him you know for what he does and allowing us to do what we do and he just kept saying oh me darling (laughs) that's what he just he kept saying that you know like oh you sweetheart but he would say oh me darling and uh it was a real brief phone call but i was just reeling for the rest of the night. I was like, I can't believe I just talked to my, Hey everybody. <laughs> Brian Johnson just called my phone and I just, my husband now, but at the, the time we just started dating. So I got to kind of show off a little bit. Oh, nice. You had that in your <laughs> yeah, back pocket for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then there was the time that Chris Slade totally surprised you by sitting in to play Highway to Hell with Hell's Bells, correct? Yes, that was pretty cool. That was fun. We're really, we really don't socialize at our own shows. We don't have the energy for it. So yeah, we usually stay back in the green room and and rest until we. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy. I have a lot of respect for what they do. And what what what's the best thing about being in a tribute band? For me, it is a way. You know, I play original music as well. So for me, it's, I would never, to get the kind of reactions that I get from health bells, you know, doing ACDC, I just, 
it's magic and it's something that I never would have experienced with my own original music. I I haven't yet. I mean, it's not ACDC. And <laughs> so for me, I think that it that is similar, like being able to share that love, you know, for, I, for me, it's sharing the love I have for ACDC with a, with the audience full of people who get it also. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, being able to, travel and and play it I mean it's so fun to play even after 20 years it's still fun to play let's talk about some of those amazing places you've gone to Um, in 2003 you went to Japan playing for rabid American military troops correct yes and then was it Jordan did you go to Jordan yes we went twice to Jordan wow the military must love you guys and then there was the Beer Fest Asia in Singapore, correct? Yes, we've done that one four or five times. Four, five times. Yeah, we've done uh, a few times. <laughs> that's a that's another fun one. Tell us a little bit about playing one of those kind of events. Well, Beer Fest. Um, that is, um, well, first of all, you get to go to one of the most incredible cities in the world. Um, it's a party town and. Uh, yeah, the crowds there are fun. And then there's my favorite event, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota, which uh, I've personally experienced myself. And honestly, there was way more Caucasian male nudity over the age of 60 than I bargained for when I went. <laughs> <laughs> I think my buddy Greg passed on that gig for a reason. But how did you guys fare there? I thought we did uh, well, really well. Yeah, I mean, they will give us the hardest lots. For sure. I mean, we worked our asses off, but we rocked them all, like Bon Jovi would say. I was going to say, <laughs> did you just quote Bon Jovi? I did. <laughs> Any other places that you wanted to mention? I would like to say that when we did Desturgis, I can't remember what year it was, but we went up and played. Mandy, what was that venue that was? Oh, for the the time we stayed in the same house with Ron Jeremy? Are you talking about that time? <laughs> Okay, there's another line of questioning we got to get into. Yeah, the the venue, the the people. <laughs> yeah. um, it was for a adult television network. They hired us and Mini Kiss, and I think Ron Jeremy <laughs> was the MC. But they also put us in the same house all together, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> Do you have any stories that you can share there? Well, we did have we did have a, a guy with us on that trip, helping us handle you know stuff managerial duties and stuff on the road, and um, we got really drunk one night, and and he was he we made him jump on the trampoline um, with no clothes on, with Ron Jeremy outside of the house that Ron Jeremy was in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, we didn't uh, we didn't really see him a whole lot, but. Yeah, I remember sitting in the yard and he comes walking out the front door and said hi. But we didn't uh, see him a whole lot. We did eat dinner at the dinner table with the mini kiss guys. Wow, that's pretty trippy. Do you guys have a favorite tribute band? Um, I remember seeing, uh, we played a Microsoft event one time and Super Diamond was playing, which is Neil uh, Diamond tribute. Fun. And they were really good, really good. 
And, you know, my mom used to listen to Neil Diamond, so I, I knew the songs. <laughs> but they were really good. I enjoyed watching them play. I have to admit, on the way over to uh, recording this with you tonight, I, lis- I was listening to your CD on Spotify, and I have to say, you did a fine job covering one of my favorite ACDC songs and one of Lars Ulrich, not only favorite ACDC song, but favorite song of all time, Overdose. I was the one that I love Overdose, and I, I always wanted to do that one, and uh yeah, it's a good one. There's something special about that song. I, I don't know how to describe it, but that, it's got a lot of power behind that tune. And you guys did a great job covering it. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. How about any side projects outside of Hell's Bells that you want to talk about? Uh, I know Adrian and the Sickness, you had mentioned, um, and you had worked with producer Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's, right? Yep. Um, And I dropped the name, The Sickness, so I just call it Adrian Connor now. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, over here live streaming and writing new music, and I just put out an album, and the bright spot of this pandemic is the whole live streaming viewership culture that has popped up and um, that's really taking me through the pandemic as a you know an artist and a performer and musician and somebody that likes to perform and be creative yeah and I, I we noticed you tucked in um, shot in the dark towards the end of the show. How do you guys like Power Up? <laughs> Have you had a chance to listen to the whole thing? I haven't listened thing. to the whole thing yet, but it's good. Yeah. I like it. The harmonies and just the riffs. And, you know, ACDC is the, the only band in the world that has got those, you know, if, it, if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it, familiarity with the riffs that they do. And can make each song great. And when I first listened to Shot in the Dark, I just, it made me nostalgic. Um, it's just, it, I'm pleasantly, I'm pleased. I, it's really good to me. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I felt the same way. Felt like a little kid listening to that. And um, Absolutely, there, yeah. No such thing as a bad ACDC song in my mind. I don't know if that's a sickness. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's, I'm, I'm happy with pretty much anything that they put out. But, um there, it's timeless. It is timeless. So we're approaching midnight hour and counting down to 2021, thank God, a year that everyone is surely looking forward to. Why do you think ACDC has affected so many people's lives, no matter what they do for a living, whether it be an actor, an author, politician, comedian, you name it? What do you think? We'll start with you, Mandy. I think, you know, a lot of those songs... Um, it does something to you. It's uplifting. Um, it really gets you pumped. A lot of them, you know, football games, uh, movies, it's just, it fits in with life. And, um, a lot of their music is, is a good way to escape what's going on in the world or your stress in everyday life. And I see it every time we play, you know, it's, 
people getting sweaty, forgetting their problems, and it's good, just good music for that, and it just does something to you. Well said. How about you, Adrian? It's so tribal. Um, the the rhythm section is what makes ACDC. It's you know people don't know why they love it. That rhythm section is very tribal. The song, the lyrics are like Mandy said, they pump you up. They're fun. The guitar is some of the best guitar music ever written. And it's just like, it's got everything. It's got it all. And how would you say it's changed your lives? I am more outgoing than, I mean, I grew up, I'm a, I used to be, and I still am an introvert. Um, but this music and getting to do it and fighting to get to do it um, has made me um, bold and assertive and proud and you've I come out of blessed. your shell yeah. yeah 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 well said yeah. well said um and how do you think women are empowered by what hell's bells does i think because um, we're bringing the female like because we come out there and we're not dressed like strippers <laughs> although yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we're just we're meat and potatoes just like it yeah regular girls in jeans and t-shirts nothing flashy but you know acdc isn't flashing it's just straight forward and if one thing they've taught me is that less is more and uh musically i'm i'm a better bass player than i would have ever been if i hadn't done this for 20 years me too. And, uh, you know, you know, it's just, it, it's taught me a lot on the music front, for sure. Well, it, it has been so fun to connect with y'all. Thank you so much for being a part of this thing called ACDC Beyond the Thunder. And best of luck getting back out on the road next year and, and with streaming shows. Um, Mandy and Adrian, we've reached that point in the show where we ask our guests to try their best to describe ACDC in just one word. And since there's two of you, let's do something fun. We've never done this before. So let's have you both say your word at the same time at the count of three and see what comes out. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so since it's New Year's Eve, let's count down from three. You ready? Three, two, one. Epic power. ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast, all rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shuzzbot. Nanu nanu.